Welcome to the Live from Lake Balfour podcast. I'm Maddie Watson. Thank you so much for joining us. It has been a while since we've recorded one of these podcasts, but we're back for a Thanksgiving special episode. And, you know, it's been a while since any of us have really been in camp and felt what that's like. So we figured we'd run down a list of things at camp we're grateful for. But we're going to make this one fun and interesting. We're going to be doing this in sneak draft style. We haven't shared our answers yet, so it's going to be fun. And, you know, we're back here. Guys, Greg and Danny, how you doing? It's been a long time. I'm good, Maddie. It's been way too long. Uh, life seemed to kind of get back to normal there for a second, so routines got in the way. But here we are. Yeah, I was. I was looking at the. I was looking at the archives. Our last episode was like mid-August, so it's been a long time since we have done our last. Yeah, it feels podcast. like a lifetime ago. Yeah, the Lakers won a championship between them. Yeah, so today's topic, we're going to be talking, we're doing a Thanksgiving-themed episode here. And, you know, we're talking about things we're grateful for at camp, but we're not going to do, like, obviously, anyone who goes to camp, especially, like, the three of us, have so much love for Baker. We could, of course, say the things we're thankful for. We're thankful for our friends. We're thankful for camp, like, in general, right? Same way the college football playoff show here in the background can just talk about Alabama the whole time. But we're not going to do that. We're going to talk about some of the more abstract (laughs) things about camp that really make it unique in what it is. So we're going to snake it out here. We're each going to talk, you know, roughly about a who, what, when, where, and why that we're thankful of. But we're going to snake draft things, so we'll have 15 things in total. So... Greg, I'm going to start with you here. Who at camp are you thankful for? Who at camp am I thankful for? I mean, I think it's a clear-cut answer. I'm, I'm grateful for Mr. Fasciculus, the guy on the hill who, uh, who creates the weather for us. He's the one person that we all are affected by, that we all appreciate. And I think over time he's realized that um, – you know, we kind of we're our own Mr. Fasciculus. We help control the weather as well. Yeah, so that's so my be, cop. That's my cop out answer. I had a real answer, but that's the one I'm sticking to. Yeah. So to be clear, we did not share answers beforehand. I would push back a little bit on Mr. Fasciculus only because I think it rains on the first day of camp every year. Like, come on. I mean, like if if he was so great, I mean, it should be sunny on the first day of camp. But how many years in a row has it rained on the first day of camp? I'm grateful for Mr. Vesiculus. I mean, it's just, that's my guy. I think one time Mr. Vesiculus literally has like a Cal Ripken streak going where he's always been there for us is when the torch is lit after awards night, I've been going to camp for 30 something years. I don't ever remember it raining on that night or like raining during that time. So Vesiculus has a track record of stepping it up when it really counts. We've always been able to get the relay in. We could always light the torch. Um, a few years ago, it literally rained up until the break. Then it was sunny the entire Olympics. It was last summer. And it rained right before, no, I think it was 2018. Um, but yeah, I think Vesiculus has been hot the last couple of years. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good answer, Greg. It's a good point. It's a good point about the burning. What like is there like a protocol for if hypothetically it was to rain? Like, what no, would happen? No, it just Honestly, never rains. It just yeah, never, never rains. Right. So there you go. That's a good answer, Danny. I'm how about for fasciculus. So I'm gonna go uh, a little more literal here. I, when we decided on this format, this this had Mickey written all over it. Right. I, I mean, too. where in life? I'm just talking from my own perspective. Do you get to have someone around that watched you grow that's not blood related, that watched you grow up, 
watch you mature into a teen, watch like all your formative years, watch you become a young professional, share like the same career paths as you and kind of serve as like a mentor and then become a coworker and a friend and driving to camp with Mickey. I mean, Mickey checks so many boxes that when you talk about thankful for things camp has given to you, like the Mickey Huberman being in all of our lives. Um, but me specifically, I thought that was like the first home run. It's the first name that came to my mind. It was an easy answer. So, so just for full disclosure, when I was making my list for these answers tonight, I came up with two for each guy. You would have gone with Mickey. And I, no, so the, I had two for this one. I had, I had Mr. Fasciculus and I had Mickey. And the reason why I didn't say Mickey was because I figured someone else would say him. And then when I was thinking about, you know, after he, he took my deep water test with me when I was like in bunk eight. He's my, been my mentor. He's, I've lit, shared a wall with him for the past, you know, 15 summers. But the reason I didn't pick him is when I was envisioning like his head chiseled into the side of Mount Rushmore. I couldn't decide if it was bearded Mickey or freshly shaven <laughs> Mickey or the summer when he looked different. And so I just got too confused. <laughs> All right. So, so I'm going to go a little bit off the radar here, but it's going to connect back to a larger point. I'm going to say whenever I'm really grateful because whenever you have these outsiders, one hit wonders, you know, someone like when DJ Jeff and his squad of dancers come in for a day, not because I'm inherently thankful for the like, dancers with bleach blonde mohawks and you know they come in they shoot a shoot on the courts one year i might have had a frisbee catch with them i don't know but my point is more larger because i think when you bring those people in you sort of realize this magic you have at camp and how it's so different than the outside world and you're sort of showing them that for that brief snippet of time that's just crazy like they come into the dining room and everyone stands up and starts chanting for them. And you just realize, like, what a crazy world. Like, what are these people thinking about us right now? It's one of those things where, you know, I'm just grateful because I think it sort of snaps you right back into reality. Even for this brief snippet of time and you're like, how crazy is it that I'm here with all these people doing all these things? And these people from the real world are here to see it. I like yeah, that. It totally brings everybody together for a pointless reason. <laughs> yeah, like like last year, they were all on the slopes watching the during the bucket brigade. During the bucket brigade it's like, and like a two of them are like playing tetherball. Like I don't know, it's just a lot going on there. A lot well, of the three people we picked, only one has actually spent significant time in camp. Got it. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, all right. So our second topic here, we've now staked out the first three. We're going to be talking about <coughs> what at camp. So like these are things at camp that you're thankful for that you want to see. So, uh, Greg, we'll start with you again. Or, no, sorry, it's a snake draft. Uh, so I'll go first here for my what here. And this one, close to home for me, the old school scoreboards at inner camps. Now, Danny, I feel like you would have some – I don't know what your opinion is, but I feel like you probably have a strong one, one way or the other. I personally hate the new school electronic scoreboard with the clock that's broken out during some inner camps. Uh, during some like Friday night, you know, games, maybe not all the 14s finals, but I'm more of a traditionalist. Like camp basketball is when you have the scoreboard that like has the two go to an eight in the wind. Like that's sort of the camp basketball method. I don't know. I'm not a fan of the new school board, which I assume you probably had a part in purchasing whenever you did. Um, 
I didn't have a part in purchasing it. Um, back when I was a camper, the the flip scoreboards were a di- same. It was a different brand or a different whatever. The the numbers used to rip off all the time, so you would start games like sixteen sixteen because that was the first like like number. But then these new ones have been around for probably twelve years, and uh, I, I see where. I mean, I, once again, I don't know if like that's something that we're th- a what that we're thankful for, but I see your angle there. I mean, you know, every every now and again, you want to put on like a show and a display you bust out the electronic but day in day out the flip scoreboards is what we're using i mean we're still using shirts to hang over them to make sure they don't blow you know you still have your sub like holding the scoreboard it's not like we've totally gotten away from it yeah i mean my point is more so like i really am thankful for camp basketball and like when i think of camp basketball and like what differentiates it most what differentiates it most from the rest of the world like any pickup game or traditional game is that you would never have like a scoreboard that flips in the wind but like where other the camp do you have like a highly competitive game with like a scoreboard that like they could have used in the 40s like nowhere is the answer and that's just something that like always resonates right because where where else do you get that from so i don't know you, it's can, just, get a, you can get it in danny's uh tv room because uh yeah actually he's going for, my son's, uh, for my son's birthday a few years ago i bought him one of the same ones that we have at camp it's literally the most used toy in my house. He watches games with the scoreboard. We play one-on-one with the scoreboard. It travels everywhere we go. Um, <laughs> that thing's durable. Anyway. Yeah, so anyway, so that's really what I'm, I'm just thinking about camp, and I'm thinking about playing basketball, like what makes basketball different at camp. So to me, the scoreboard has to be part of the equation. All right. All right, so uh, Danny, you're up next in our snake draft. All right, so – it's not even much of a segue. My, I'm just going to stay on a similar theme to what we were just talking about. What am I thankful for at camp? And I think I've been documented saying this in, in blog interviews and stuff that Allison's done. But my favorite what in camp has always been the double period, fourth and fifth of the intermediate hoops leagues. Always has been. When I was a kid, counselor, and now where I'm at now. Intermediate hoops leagues, fourth and fifth, with all three courts rocking for like two hours with, uh, you know, buzzer beaters and counselors cheering on their kids that they live with. And intermediate leagues is like a, uh, it's like a cauldron of like everything good that goes on in the circle in camp. It's like all the counselors live in the circle, all the kids live in the circle. Usually when it's assigned, whoever else is around camp usually ends up watching like the end of it. Intermediate leagues, everybody plays, you know, back-to-back games. It's just such a scene. And that is like the epitome of, for me, like when I think about camp in full swing, I think about like intermediate leagues on a Friday afternoon, um, you know, with everything, you know, fat, you know, meltdowns and buzzer beaters and comebacks and big court and Ivy coming over, just like the whole thing. Um, and a close second on the same theme is the post services senior leagues. I was about to Saturday. say, I was about to mention, you mentioned, because I'm thinking about like intermediate leagues, like where the step up is. I feel like part of the step up has to be that like that's the first time people like will coordinate shirts and you can picture like at services people like wearing their white shirt over the other color shirt because I was like pre-planned for later. I agree. I'm with you on the senior 
the senior leagues. It's a tradition unlike any other. Like yeah, when Danny, from when, Danny and I are, when Danny and I are working on the schedule the night before, and there's so many things that have to happen that first Saturday. There's a big show rehearsal. There's by a deep water test. There's, you know, there's like the first time of anything for the summer that we got to get around in. Danny's like, senior leagues, it's, it's yeah. in stone. When we do our pre-summer uh, meeting with Sheeman and try to organize like 16s tryouts with big show auditions and all that, that's always, and Sheeman even knows that first Saturday, the waiters are earmarked for senior leagues. And we try just about every available Saturday the waiters have, we try to do it. But I give intermediate a slight edge because of all three courts being packed, which we've moved away from that with senior leagues, just because the two small courts can't be used. We well, use I mean, especially when you have someone like Glatzer playing in senior well, also, leagues. I think we moved, the... We've we've gone to like the double headers on the on the big court and the Superdome just to stay away from the small courts. Where in, intermediate leagues, it's like a carnival. It's it's yeah. it's unbelievable. It's like it's sort of like that first like Thursday, Friday of the NCAA tournament. Just like everyone's into it. And, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. It's actually right, a good point, Greg. What's what's up for you? My, mine, I had two. One of them was about the schedule and how it's the lifeblood of camp. But but Danny sort of touched on that. So I'm gonna go off the off the grid a little bit and I'm gonna do. <clears throat> I'm grateful for things that only exist at camp, which could be like a whole other podcast. Danny and I have been talking about this for years, but things that we talk about or see or think about that we only talk about, see, or think about at camp. So like gravel, you know, or uh, um, canteen when it's referred to as you, not you know, something you, that you really, I think this is like the third time on a podcast that you've referred to gravel yeah, as a word gotten, that, only, that only yeah. words in camp. Like I'm pretty sure gravel is like a used word. Yeah, but you don't, but you don't, you're not dealing with gravel in during the year. And also there's just like other, oh, just words that you only use like at porch night and social and, you know, like getting psyched to sleep in for a half hour. Like, what? What is that? Like, late yeah, I'll, I'll, get to back, I'll get back to that one. That's a classic one. Exempt things like that that just sort of make camp so unique. I'm so grateful for that. I know everybody is, but that's something that I think goes underappreciated. You know, like silly chants, like the things that make camp camp that don't exist anywhere else. You know, basketball exists all over the place, and you know, the weather patterns or different competitions. But when it comes to like terminology and, and nomenclature of things that only exist <laughs> at camp, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Agreed. I mean, I can't imagine anywhere else where you would like refer to a court as a place that used to have a dome that doesn't have one anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stuff like, like that. Yeah. yeah. It's it's kind of obscure when you when you take a step back you can question a lot of your like camp vocabulary yeah. that like, you like you like hear on the path like yo like who's miscellaneous like, what what is like who's miscellaneous like, everyone knows what it means and it matters to everybody yeah. especially I mean, I'd, it'd be hard pressed to find anybody who's grown up at camp who didn't learn the word miscellaneous or exempt you know <laughs> pro, you know that's like right. one of the many vocabulary words that we've learned. Um, yeah, yeah, it's funny. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm learning. Way. We learn exempt in, you know, when we're learning about governments and pardons, not supposed to be when you're <laughs> learning about sponging when you're eight. So, yeah, it's true. So, Greg, all right, we're going to go back to you here on the snake. We're going to be talking about when. So what, like, moment can you pinpoint camp that you're grateful for? 
Um, <clears throat> I mean, my classic answer is when is sounds more like a where, but it's a when is, is counseling. When, when we're all in counseling, that's my favorite part of camp. That's what I'm most grateful for. Everyone's there. Kids get a chance to shine. It's hilarious. Uh, it's a chance for even the most shy or quiet person to be a superstar. Uh, it's a place where we all learn, you know, we get announcements, you know, even activity, repetitive jokes, inside jokes. So the win would be for me, counseling. Um, and I have a distance, a distant second, or I guess my second one is the morning hours at camp. Yes. I, at least in my adult life, I really, really love. It's just knowing that we have a full day ahead of us and like people are still wearing their pajamas and, you know, it, it, people are looking at the sketch. Some people well, have been before the, for a long time. Before the newly are, instituted morning lineup, you had like 35 kids in the junior division waiting to be first online to be led so they could have their like bagel on a Wednesday first. Right, right. Been... I, the, the morning hour is great. I mean, it's probably because I'm up much earlier, but it's just such a funny scene seeing the different um, energy levels, uh, seeing who, who shines as far as being hysterical at breakfast and seeing everyone just get, you know, get ready for the day. It's a really, I'm grateful for the mornings more so in my adult life than I was, I think when I was a camper. All right, Danny, what about you? Um, just like the Mickey one, this was an easy answer for me. My, the when in camp that I'm most thankful for is that first day post unpacking when, but pre dinner, when everyone is like getting into like the rhythm and the, the courts are just like packed. Everybody's kind of killing time between the fact that they just unpack their trunks to when dinner lineup starts. And you know, at that moment, like we got 51 days of this, we have not even begun to scratch the surface of even the first day yet. And it's like, Everybody looks good because everybody's got their hair cut. Everybody's wearing it, whatever they plan to wear on the first day of camp. Everyone's like trying to show the best version of themselves. And you just know that camp's like about to pop. And uh, it's just it, it's just one of those feelings. And it's like the lead in, like the bus ride could be a little nerve wracking and unpacking could be a little stressful. But once you arrive at like that time, all that stuff's behind you and you're like in camp. And I think that is the part that whenever I'm in that moment, I was like, ah, you know, I couldn't be more thankful right now that I got the whole summer ahead of me. Very distant second, uh, when Bruno gets to make the all around athlete speech, but I won't even go into that. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. We could do like easy winner. Yeah. We could do like a whole 30 for 30 just on Bruno's athlete, the four pillar speech, but we're not going to touch that this time. Um, because we want to be kind to the time of our listeners. So my point here, I think I actually want to kind of combine what you two said. I'm going to sort of cheat and do two answers here, but they sort of combine what you guys said, which I think you guys talk about this a lot, which is kind of the cycle of camp, how it's sort of every year you have this like cycle, you cycle through and you have all the benchmarks. And I want to hit on two benchmarks that I think of when, and they're slightly related. The first one is... And this might sound like it comes from nowhere, but my first one is the morning break of Army-Navy Day. And now that might seem insignificant, but 
I actually could make the case that this really like epitomizes everyone's feeling in camp because you know when you're a new kid right it really is like the first marking of like the schedule of the summer and you've probably been there a week and a half two weeks and you have like the 22 and 23 kids like can't believe they're they were robbed of late Reveille by Army-Navy Day, and the waiters are running out, and the little kids have no idea what's going on. I think, like, my first summer in camp, there was, like, some argument with Bob, maybe, with someone about, like, the whites in the laundry. I don't exactly Probably remember. Coach. Yeah, maybe. So, <laughs> I don't know. So, my point is, that's, like, kind of a piece where no one is, like, exactly, that's not the most elated moment of the summer, but there's something about that that sort of marks, like, the scheduling. And then my combination of that would be to say the part of the sing after the judges leave to discuss um their decisions on the songs where i feel like that's sort of the cycle going around because the whole camp is back together at some unifying event but that's four or five weeks later at the end of the summer and it just feels like that cycle sort of been completed and everyone's together as a camp and chanting and doing whatever and I really feel like both of those moments sort of combine in my mind to say the beginning where you have these things to iron out and then by the end everyone's just like together and it's just like that's really where the magic is so I think that's really where my like that's really where my when comes. Maddie, I got to say, I'm, I know Greg agrees with me because I share a brand with him, or at least we, our brands are clones of each other. <laughs> um, I don't know if someone can re-listen to what you just said, but, like, it's absolutely a bullseye. Like, it's two relatively insignificant moments that just speak volumes about everything that's going on in camp. Um, two, like watershed moments every summer that you brought up i i think those are both great answers i just think that they like you said they just epitomize everything that's going on around camp and it's like part of a cycle that makes everybody feel great i i i mean yeah i i really can't i, I just i kind of want to just wait for the podcast to drop so i could re-listen to whatever that three minute spiel was all right, well, I'm glad, oh, yeah. <laughs> glad you like the monologue there. So I think we're going to no, move. No, I just feel like you get it. Like, I mean, you know, you get it at different stages. No surprise. You bake a life, but like, you know, there's just different levels of, you know, different barriers of getting it. And like, you're getting it. I think you make a good point, though, in that you're there for long enough. And obviously you guys have been there for quadruply amount of time as me. But you're there long enough, you start to see that cycle. And even though it's like... 90% of the same people every year. There's something about the cycle that repeat, rinses and repeats every year. And I think that's one of the most exciting parts about camp. Like, that's one of those intangible qualities. But now I want to sort of transition to my wear that I'm thankful for. And this is more tangible to me, which is, like, just the quirks in camp geography that make things happen. Like, the parts of playing. So you mentioned the how the big court's obviously much bigger for leagues games, and it depends there. But I really want to harp on some of the other quirks. So I'm thinking, like, right field on the upper and stuff like that because, you know, I feel like it's one of those things where you look back, you know how in the office they have all those, like, retro photos from, like, the 50s and 60s? And a lot of campus changed. The bunks have been expanded. They redid the courts ten times. They built a dome. Then they knocked down the dome. Then they built a different dome. All this stuff happened. The one thing that's constant is the fence on the upper because it's just such a bizarre shape for a baseball field. But yet at the same time, 
They, at the same exact time as it's such a bizarre shape, the biggest senior leagues games happen there. The Chiefs Olympics happen there. Like, clearly, it is the number one field. Like, everyone would rather play on this field with, like, a tiny wall in right field that, like, takes weird bounces for the people that's usually the least athletic person on the team is playing right field and has to deal with the bad bounce off the, like, obscure wall. But I just feel like that's a good microcosm of camp in general about how, like, these things where if you brought someone from some... Here he goes again, nailing it. (laughs) Like, if you brought someone from, like, I don't know, one of the other camps that comes for inner camps and they saw the upper, you would be like, like, really? Like, that's your baseball field? But there's something about it that to me, is, like, one of the most special things about camp that that's, like, just the most awesome place to play, and that's where I think of some of my best memories playing sports at camp. I still love talking about the rules on the upper. The rules on – well, there's two sets of rules in baseball that are highly controversial. I mean, again, we mentioned this with the Bruno's Four Pillars speech. We could do, like, a bell rule podcast that no one would want to listen to. So we're not going to go there. Danny has the bell rule hanging up in his bathroom in his bungalow. I'm sure we've talked about this at another podcast. The bell rule is one um, of the most highly controversial parts of camp. But, yes, the rules on the upper of, like, if it goes past that – like carom in the fence then it's a double or a single it doesn't matter how high it hits or if it hits this tree overhanging at family camp this came at the the weekend that uh the waiters of 2020 were there the, <laughs> the upper field rules came up like it, we were lucky we had some knowledgeable people there because the whole like left of the tree right of the tree was a touch was it not yeah like you said that's another can you guys think of like any like Power, very like classic, powerful lefties that would bomb them over for singles. Like I don't, yeah, I don't Josh know. Josh Forrest. Josh Forrest. He was at family camp, and I still did. Family him. camp. He um, yeah, he 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 knew it was a single, but he wanted to see if you it, hit you it, hit a moonshot that can like go from the upper to like the lower. Maybe that's a single. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough um, rolls. All right, Denny. So where in camp are you thankful for? All right. Um. I know where he's so, going with this. I can predict so, where he's going with this. I mean, the, the the conventional, like, predictable answer would be the courts because that's the obvious one for me. Um, center of camp, hub of the action. Even if you're not going there, most likely you got to commute by there. Um, you know, for me, that's where basically, you know, the, lar- the largest percentage of my Baco life has been spent. Um, so many amazing memories, so many amazing relationships, all the stuff that everybody that's listening knows that I can talk about. Um, but I've already talked about the courts a few times, so I'm going to go a little off the courts here, even though the courts is my answer. Um, but Maddie made me think of something else. Natural things in camp that we use, like, for example, the big rock on the lower that's great it's just there but it's become like a staple of any bako campers life you know i remember watching intercamp soccer down there so do the six-year-olds that are in camp now you know um how about the rock on the left field hill on the upper that kids always somehow every decade you know no matter when you are in camp kids will watch games on the upper from that rock like that's halfway up the slope um you know, thing like the slopes by the Arts and Crafts Shack just happens to be the flat area. So we do a million things there from running bases to staging breaks to breaking, you know, Army-Navy Day to, you know. To the medieval Baco. 
Yeah, just natural things in camp that become, you know, ways for us to kind of get together. Um, it's kind of a reach. I'm not as comfortable talking about that as I am the courts, but uh, I think I'm thankful for those types of things in camp that have been basically the backdrop of so many memories that all of us have built. It's been like the stage. You know, it's funny. I, I was pretty confident that you were going – Superdome there. I mean, I know you told me, because I remember last summer, I guess now almost two summers ago, when, you know, we were heading up the bazaar and we made that picture that we put on a canvas of the Superdome. You sent uh, me oh, that. Like, I know, it's you said, house. like, you need that picture. And I said, like, why are you, like, so attached to this picture of the outside of the Superdome? And you were like, I'm a Superdome guy. So I was, like, pretty <laughs> confident you were going there. But I think, Greg, like, you, that's what you thought, too, right? Yeah, I just know how much Danny loves it as an important piece of camp, uh, not just for sports, but just uh, not just for basketball. But it's just such a it's a it's a trek to get there. So when you get there, there's like almost like this feeling like you got to get something done. You got to have fun. Uh, you got to make it count. Um, also, it's just it's a great rainy day facility. You know, it makes camp continue when it's raining. And a lot of magical moments have happened up there, which we've you know talked about in depth on these podcasts. Yeah, for, uh, I thought he was uh, going Superdome. I was pretty surprised. So, so I, uh, a few hours ago before this podcast, I was asking my wife, I was like explaining the format. And I was like, you know, she's like, no, you got to go with the courts. And I was like, you know, because I was going to go Superdome. <clears throat> and by the way, just so we're official, I went with the courts. I just had been talking about the courts in the previous questions. And Maddie brought up the whole watching games on the upper. That's why I said what I said. But um, but this is great because we're talking about the courts and the Superdome and the natural landscape. So I'm a winner. So anyway, um, I think through some of these podcasts, when we did like the top five Baco lineup and a lot of the things we talked about, I don't want anybody to think that I'm, you know, not loyal to the courts. The courts are still number one. Uh, we're, we're not getting that mixed up. We, we know where so, your loyalties lie. And also like the Superdome... There's a time and a there's certain things I go to the Superdome for practice, rainy days, lessons. The courts is everything else. So the Superdome, as much as I love it and as much as it's unique to I feel like like this era of camp that I have that maybe some people that I grew up in camp with haven't had to experience. I feel like some sort of like, you know, attachment to it. But uh, the courts, I mean, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, the courts is what it is. I'm loyal to the courts. Greg, how about you for this one? Where in camp are you thankful for? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for the natural beauty parts of camp. You know, I think obviously if I was a camper, I would say certain things. If I was a counselor or whatever, but for right now, with the way I see camp in my adult life and in the administrative role I'm in, it's the places I get to go to not often as I want, where would I get there? You see like the little nooks and crannies of the magic that happens at camp. So a couple things that popped through my mind are the lake is number one, I think my favorite place just because it's physical beauty and how happy people are when they're down there. But I'm not a, you know, I was never more of a land animal. Um, I was thinking places like, when I get into the, like onto the arts and craft shack porch and like into the arts and craft shack and see what's going on in there. And the kids are just so happy. And there's always like a counselor in there who's not normally assigned, who's assigned, who's like, just like 
diving into like some weird art project with their campers. So happy, just a little like snapshot of the real magic at camp. Um, Bruno's court has that same feeling for me when I can get out there. You know, I'm so busy in the office all the time. When I get out to Bruno's court, it's like, it's such a comic relief, like a uh, breath of fresh air to see one of my closest friends working so hard with kids getting better at tennis and building friendships and all that stuff. You know, you get into a dugout on the upper during little during junior baseball leagues, like little small like corners of camp. Um, I, I'm so grateful for those. I wish I could get to them more often. I'm always jealous of Mickey and and Rick because their their job description requires them to be in those places. I wish I could get there more, and I I, mean, I try to every summer. Um, you know, the lake and the courts and the, the gazebo and the places I get to a little bit more are probably more openly appreciated by me. But it's those like, you know, the small. Yeah, those those small moments, those those small moments, small places that you know what happens every single day, every single. Yeah, period. like when you, you like when you go to you the might, fun house during but you might be up, able to. Like, yeah. You might be able to get there like once a summer. Another great one like that is like when you go up to it overnight when they're like grilling yes, burgers. stuff like that. Exactly. And it happens exactly. 30 times a summer, but you might get there once every two years. You yeah, know? yeah. Like when I get, yeah, like when I get into, when I go into the fun house for like, you know, like post break or post talent show or post something really, really incredible. And you go into the fun house and it might as well be like, a regular night in there. They're just having the greatest time ever. It's like living in a cartoon land and every single kid is having so much fun and the counselors are totally in it. And and that's place wise. That's what I'm most grateful for. Uh, But, um, you know, when I picture myself in camp right now, I'm in the gazebo and I'm like hanging out with just a random quad of, you know, campers and counselors uh, just loitering and talking about our day or what's it, you know, talking about hilarious stuff and you can be there for five minutes or you can be there for five hours and it's it's it feels the exact same agreed and i mean i feel like what we're talking about in this entire podcast like that really just sums it up right there's so many little things because we can talk about all the big things we can talk about friendship and we can talk about how beautiful the lake looks and we can talk about all these sorts of things that are like much bigger but it's those little things that you just think about at camp like the gazebo or like any of the things we've said today that sort of just build to just like the things about camp that you just are so intangible they're so small they're just snapshots like i mean i love this podcast off with talking about like the dj jeff's people and like while they're so small at the same time, I feel like that epitomizes, like, you're in this bubble at camp, and then you see these other people interacting within the camp bubble, and it's just this, like, whole different thing. I just feel like there's so many little things that contribute to what camp is, and I mean, I feel like it's so many of these small things that seem small in comparison to the bigger picture, but they make up that bigger picture. When I, when I was thinking about this earlier today, what I'm grateful for at camp I thought about when I was like in bunk six or baby bunk eight and I went down to the lake for, it was like swim instruction. It was like cold and I didn't, I didn't want to go in the water. The counselors had made a big grateful dead steal your face on the beach, like with like an oar, you know, like used an oar to draw it in the beach. And that was like my first introduction to like grateful dead, like images at camp. And then like when Jerry Garcia died, they lowered the flag to half mass. And I was just like, are these people really being serious about this? Like, 
to really take you this seriously. It's stuff like that at camp that you're grateful for, like the Grateful Dead. That, that was for the 1981 to 1996 era crowd right there. <laughs> All right. I mean, I don't know if we're going to get into the why. Are we getting into the why, Maddie? Or I don't know. You think this we whole podcast I, has been the why. I feel like this think, whole podcast has been the why. I think one, it just dawned on me because I think everything, like the small little moments that we most recently have talked about, but also like the places in camp and the who's that we, that we love, I think, and the when's and the, and the what's, the, I feel like it all sort of comes together and crests like that moment before the Apache relay bell rings where the even the littlest most trivial stuff like skipping rope or wrapping a kid in toilet paper like we've gone so deep on all of this like throughout like the previous 24 hours and like the who's that we love like who's shooting the three who's doing this who's gonna tag me who's where like oh like where are you gonna be when you watch the three and it's like all the everything I feel like comes to that moment. And even like the Yanni, you know, dancers that are not part of the bubble that we all come together to like look at. It just I feel like all that energy comes to that moment where we, Greg tells the office staff to ring the bell. And right before that, the whole camp gets into a slow clap and you could hear it reverberating around, you know, the mountains. It, it, I feel like that moment is the why for me like that moment i feel like it has everything that we just talked about put right into it and um it sounds cheesy sounds whatever but you know before we talked about it no before we started this podcast when we met last night quickly we said well do we want it to be funny or do we want it to be serious so i was like well, that's the beauty is that it could be both um yeah. you know so i i think i, yeah, I don't know this is, it, it, it also plays into the time warp factor at camp where like a whole day flies by, right? You're like, what? Like the day's over. But then you think back to what you did earlier that day and it feels like a week ago. The whole time warp aspect of camp, right? Like when you're going home after packing day, when you're you know heading home, you're like, oh man, the summer flew by. But yet the day before seems like a year ago. That whole, that's part of the magic that Danny just talked about, just the whole being in the moment, which is needed now more than ever for everybody from the youngest camper to the oldest administrator that it's not, it's not, a, it's not like a, on, it doesn't happen on purpose. Like there's no like do this, do this, do this. And then this happens. It's sort of this magical potion that makes it so that slow clap has a different feeling than a regular slow clap. Totally. Or like, you know, like council ring is hilarious because of, like the energy we all bring to it, you know, it's like, if we all went to counseling right now, it'd be a little, I mean, it'd be great, but you need that, you know, the, the inside jokes that lead into it and yeah. whatever the meal is after it and what Rick did at services on Saturday that we're still laughing hysterically about. And when I ask the kids what day it is, they'll be like, it's Tuesday. And I'll say, are you sure? And they're like, actually, no, I'm not sure. You know, cause no one really knows. Well, they know because they know when it's chocolate chip pancakes. I was about to say the only reason why people know the days of the week is because of the like food because calendar. The well, and the counselors know their day off. Yeah, that <laughs> that is a given. 
Um, all right. I mean, I think we hit this pretty good about this Thanksgiving episode. You know, we'll try to hit more of these. I know, Danny, we have some 30 for 30s in the workshop that we'll be breaking out. Yeah, I know. We've. When did you say our last episode was? In, like in August? Late August, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I just want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. I don't know when this podcast is going to go, but... Um, It'll come out on Thanksgiving. No, everybody stay safe. Have a good holiday season. Hope to see everybody soon, and I think we got to get back into a more regular podcast rotation here, Matt. And I, I echo the same the same thoughts. Be safe over the break, and uh, you know, be grateful for what we do have. We all have so much to be grateful for: our families and camp, and our camp friends. Reach out to everyone in your bunk, and uh, you know, spread the spread the Baco Chanel with love, Maddie. Thanks for making this happen, uh, and, and we're grateful for you, Maddie. Yeah, we've well, been charged on this. Well, you camp would obviously not happen without you guys. So, you know, you guys are what makes it go. So, I mean, I think that's a pretty good wrap on it. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Live from Lake Balfour podcast.